Welcome to the Virtual UCAM Yurt. I am Rashid Gabluhakov, and today I'm co-hosting the Chat in the Yurt podcast with Yelena Kilina. Thank you, Rashid. And together we will keep you company with a conversation on Europe Central Asia developments as part of the EUCAM program of the Center for European Security Studies in the Netherlands. And today's chat in the Yurt is dedicated to Team Europe initiatives by the EU. First one on digital connectivity and the second one on water, energy and climate. We are privileged to have a couple of uh, guests in our yurt today joining virtually. Alaudin Kamilov, he is a researcher from Uzbekistan, currently affiliated with the Institute for Advanced International Studies and the University of World Economy and Diplomacy in Tashkent. Also, we have Shingiz Zipatola, who is a researcher from Kazakhstan, currently working as a lecturer at Karaganda Buketov University in Kazakhstan. Welcome both. Hey, good to be here. Hi. <laughs> well, to kick things off, um, Shungis and Alaudin, could you explain to our listeners what the EU Global Getaway Team Europe initiative is, both in the broader broader uh, global framework and in its development? Uh, yes, uh, and if Shungis doesn't mind, I can go first. So the, this is initiative, uh, it was announced in uh, 2021 by uh, European Commission, also on the line. So the basic idea is uh, it's trying, uh, European Union is trying to build new connectivity with uh, European uh, values. It's uh, more about uh, building infrastructure for EU and its partner uh, countries. Uh, EU will allocate almost 300 not almost, but exactly $300 billion. It's uh, uh, planned for 2021 and 2027. Yeah, but in my understanding, like I think it's uh, also related to to EU's ambition to achieve more strategic uh, autonomy from uh, from United States. It's, uh, it's mostly about the EU's uh, strategic plan for future. Yeah, also I want to add that uh, the EU within this initiative uses the European Fund for Sustainable Development Plus to promote investment worldwide uh, in support to sustainable development. It means that instead of using direct grants, Brussels develops funding with bringing the source of public and private finance, particularly uh, through the guarantees and blending. With guarantees, the EU shares the risks associated with investing and lending in development countries so that private investors and development banks will finance entrepreneurs or development projects. Therefore, if losses occur, Brussels will pay part of it. With blending, it uses public money to cover part of the costs of a development projects to get it off the ground with public and private investors financing the rest. So it is not a direct uh, grants, it's just uh, they are using private money, uh, yeah, private sources. Yeah, nice. Thank you both for this general and very detailed overview of the initiative itself. But maybe you could now elaborate on how exactly it relates to Central Asia. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, geez, please go ahead. Um, yeah, in November 2022, during the European Union uh, Central Asian Connectivity Conference for Sustainable Development in Samarkand, 
the EU launched a new global gateway flagship TV Europe initiative on water, energy and climate and digital connectivity. Uh, the given initiative is unique because previously, uh, during the UN strategies, Brussels tried to encompass uh, broad areas of cooperation, such as human rights, democratization, education, economic development, and many, many other spheres. And these strategies were criticized for being too universal. Probably, therefore, the EU launched its new Team Europe program initiative, which should contribute and supplement the EU 2019 strategy on Central Asia. And at EUCAM, Elaudin and I tried to analyze the risks of this initiative and suggested our views or recommendations or guidelines to overcome these risks. Elaudin focused on digital connectivity while I focused on water, energy and climate. All right. Well, now, Alaudin, could you please briefly outline the plans concerning uh, EU development cooperation on digital connectivity in Central Asia? Um, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think in case of changes, EU is very active because EU is considered the biggest donor in Central Asia, but digital connectivity is quite new sphere for Europe, not in the world, but also, it's, but also in Central Asia. So, a uh, connectivity plan consists of two parts. The first part is uh, infrastructure building part. So EU is planning to build um, uh, earth stations uh, with internet exchange points and clean data centers in Central Asia, uh, more specifically in Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Turkmenistan, and Uzbekistan. Uh, not Turkmenistan. Turkmenistan is not included yet. But I don't know why, but uh, uh, only four countries. A second part is related more about soft digital connectivity. Uh, it's mostly about uh, capacity building. So he is trying to uh, invest in Central Asia uh, to reform, for example, um, in telecommunications, in cybersecurity, privacy, and personal uh, data protection. Um, in line, which is in line also, EU's digital diplomacy program. Something to further investigate, of course, concerning Turkmenistan, because statistics are very difficult to find in the country as far as how many people actually have access to the internet even. And all we have are these, you know, anecdotal stories and rumors, right, that is probably 12 to 17 percent. And then, of course, the type of connection you receive is also quite questionable given that about 90% of the internet itself is blocked in Turkmenistan, right? So you only have access to a fraction of what's available to the world. Um, but Alaudin, how does this all then um, live, I guess, next to some of the other initiatives? For instance, uh, Russia is now launching this digital decolonization, right? That's an anti-EU, anti-US kind of campaign and do you see that many different global actors, let's say Russia, EU, US, and China, might now be offering these kinds of digital solutions for Central Asian governments? And if so, uh, how do these governments then maneuver and navigate through these different types of offers in the digital domain? Um, I think this is a very interesting question because uh, lots of people focus on BRI, but BRI has also another uh, project, which is called uh, 
Digital Silk Road project, which was announced in 2015. So if we analyze Central Asian markets, like all, me, all uh, Chinese products uh, dominate in every, uh, almost like everywhere, not only softwares, but uh, the computers, routers, but also like they use most of Ch Chinese, uh, Chinese programs. And this, this one is uh, because uh, Chinese is offering uh, very uh, cheap products and services without any substantial uh, conditions, which is uh, ideal for for this uh, for countries in the region. And at the same time, but there are uh, lots of speculations about Chinese products. Uh, recent studies show that. They are vulnerable for financial trap or like uh, more like uh, uh, espionage, espionage, but still like uh, in terms of economy, still Chinese products are more attractive uh, in terms of price and they are very popular. But in, in case of Russia, but uh, I don't think Russian uh, products are very popular, but uh, Russia is very active in 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 media case. For example, we know that uh, recent studies also show that most of Central Asian uh, people like it depends also age and this, uh, the geographical location. They watch uh, Russian news uh, and this also Russia also playing key role in terms of I think I would say like in in delivering informations. Hmm. Well, thank you for loading for this input, especially in comparison between Russia and China. Um, Shinghis, now I have a question for you. Could you please provide a brief overview of the plans concerning EU development cooperation on water, energy, and climate change? Yeah, if in the case of Alaudin, it's, it's kind of clear about digital, about digital connectivity. In the case of water, energy, and climate, it is so broad areas for cooperation and uh, Team Europe aims to contribute to managing water and energy resources uh, sustainably and address environmental challenges. Uh, the EU also wants to develop transboundary water governance, contributing to the International Fund for saving the RLC and supporting infrastructural projects within water supply, sanitation, water management, hydropower, uh, the Team Europe also wants to contribute to develop regional power market and transition to green economy in Central Asia. So we could see that there are a lot of different different spheres, a lot of different areas. And in my opinion, it's kind, it's so broad areas for cooperation. And for these purposes, the European Commission, uh, the European Investment Bank and the European Bank for Reconstruction and Development allocated 700 uh, million euros, uh, but it is kind of doubtful if uh, Brussels can focus on these three broad areas with its modest revenues because it's too ambitious. And there are so many, uh, I mean, uh, if we, in Central Asia, actually water, uh, energy and climate issues are a real threat that can undermine the situation in Central Asia overall. And uh, in, in this perspective, Team Europe initiative is too ambitious in context of water, energy and climate. Hmm. And uh, to follow up on this, um, what are the potential obstacles surrounding these efforts? 
because I think I've read in your paper that you mentioned something about, well, that EU has to be very strict in applying this measure, that there are some, let's say, cultural, um, yeah, uh, cultural ways of handling uh, business uh, in Central Asia that might uh, affect the implementation. Could you please elaborate on that? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, we have a different um, attitude yeah, in uh, terms of uh, business. And um, of course, uh, we have high level of corruption in Central Asia. We have nepotism. Uh, we have, um, I mean, we have elites uh, which benefit from uh, today's contemporary situation when we are dependent on raw materials. That's why all of this factors could be a barrier for the European Union for developing this initiative in Central Asia. And also, uh, the European Union sh should take into account uh, the projects uh, they want to invest, because uh, recently they declared that they want to invest 15% uh, of the 5 billion Ragun hydropower plant in Tajikistan. Uh, if analyzed, the dam could stop like repeated and prolonged energy blackouts in Tajikistan and provide clean energy to downstream countries. However, I mean, uh, because of its possible effect on water flow, Uzbekistan for years opposed the construction of Ragun Dam. And the situation improved when Shavkat Mirziyev came to power. But still, the question of Ragun project is highly politicized and water issues are usually managed by Ministry of Foreign Affairs of Uzbekistan rather by rather than by special water officials. That's why, I mean, uh, the EU should think, um, I don't know, maybe they should consult with local experts. They should analyze the conflict history of uh, Central Asian states because, I mean, if they are supporting Tajikistan, it could, uh, Uzbekistan could, uh, like, it's it's not so good for Uzbekistan. And we also know that Tajikistan and Kyrgyzstan, they have also a long lasting conflict history on like border issues and et cetera, et cetera. So um, the EU should invest into neutral projects, maybe into with a smaller case, with a narrow scope, something in this way. Yeah, it's my, my in my opinion. Okay, and maybe just one more question because I also read that there is one case that's uh, about a European company that they also want to plan uh, the world's largest industrial plants for the production of uh, green hydrogen in Kazakhstan. Uh, do you consider this uh, as a good example of investment or uh, are there any other challenges associated with it? Yeah, actually, in fact, it is it is a good um, it is a good investment. It is not a part of a Team Europe initiative, or it is not part of a um, global gateway. It is like uh, part of a strategic partnership between the EU and Kazakhstan on sustainable raw materials, batteries, and renewable hydrogen. And within this project, uh, the Swedish company Swevind Energy Group. Uh, plans to build one of the world's largest industrial plant for the production of pure green hydrogen in West Kazakhstan. The energy, like um, th this energy of uh, solar panels and wind turbines will be used to produce up to 2 million tons of green hydrogen. Uh, and this uh, could cover, um, and this could cover one-fifth 
uh, of all um, uh, what uh, the EU needs, uh, the EU needs to decouple Russian energy imports. And yeah, this is this is a kind of big project. It's kind of ambitious, and they want they they want to start it in 2030. But there are also a lot of questions how they want to uh, transport all of this, um, all of this. Uh, I mean, green ammonia or all of this green hydrogen to European Union. Because on the one hand, we have Russia, which always tries to put political pressure on Central Asian states. And in my opinion, it is a good project, but there are also a lot of barriers. And uh, in the one day, like, I don't know, uh, like Russian president or Chinese president will talk with Tokayev and can ask him, okay, can you please slow down this project or something in this manner? Like, yeah, it it is good initiative, at least. Nice, thank you, Shingis. And maybe Alodi, now to shift gears to you, what about the challenges in the digital domain? Could you outline a few? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, I, I think the, the first challenge might be uh, the, the access to market because uh, China is, uh, as I said, like it's big, uh, biggest player in this market. So like only all, like almost all, Softwares, uh, mostly technologies, are Chinese technologies, and they're quite cheaper. But what's positive about this initiative is that it, Europe is focusing on its competitive advantage. For example, uh, we can say, uh, for example, cybersecurity, green data centers, for example, uh, privacy and personal data protection, where EU is considered a global leader. So, at the same time, EU is trying to provide more secure, reliable internet connection in throughout Central Asia because uh, studies show that if they will increase 1% internet, like it might uh, play a positive role in, in, in export and play like increase 4% the export in, 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 in Central, Central Asia. Uh, in terms of, uh, uh, however, that, that we should also keep in mind that, uh, when EA invests, it also comes with uh, certain rules because we all know that EU is normative power. So, uh, but EU doesn't have any coordination or specific plans when it comes to projects, which might uh, bring negative consequences. For example, in 1990s, when uh, this all post-Soviet countries they announced that they will transition to market economy, they were adopting some rules, but they adopted rules uh, partially and selectively. That's why the, they, they, their reforms didn't uh, bring the expected results in Central Asia and elsewhere. So this time also, like, if they ad- adopt these uh, norms uh, selectively, although if uh, this EU uh, fails to coordinate this program, this might, might also bring some reverse effect that we don't know. Sometimes it might uh, it, it might look like uh, digital nationalism or more in extreme cases, it might look like digital authoritarianism. So th- these are challenges, these are questions a lot of uh, people are asking these days who are concerned about this digitalization, digital transformation in Central Asia. Um, I was just wondering, would then, considering these uh, obstacles, considering this limitation, possible limitation of implementing these initiatives, 
what do you think the EU should prioritize uh, in its contribution to the both initiatives, one in digital transformation, one in water and energy matters? Because what's I mean, more realistic? Yeah, this, uh, I mean, digitalization is kind of future. Uh, it's it's not just about this connectivity. Digitalization is more about, it's in a broader sense, it's also like uh, a new uh, like area for for geopolitical ambitions to get access uh for for Central Asia in this competition. So this all these uh big powers are playing uh this factor, especially after the pandemic. So EU is focusing in this area, but uh like EU is considered still like a benign actor, and it has uh lots of uh, competitive advantage. I would say like we should focus on this uh, its uh, competitive advantages. At the same time, it should act fast uh, and work out this uh, coordination plan. For example, uh, plan was announced last year, but we don't know still. We don't have any idea. Uh, they, they didn't adopt action plan. So they didn't uh, announce any uh, mechanisms, how they will coordinate, whether they will open an office, uh, what's criteria for the, the to check implementation of this project. So this we don't know. They announced just 40 million uh, for building and then they expected additional particip participation from member states. But uh, European, uh, most European countries, uh, they focus on develop developed countries, but uh, the EU also has some challenge to convince some private companies to come to Central Asia to work here. But if like EU will do that, then it, we might expect to increase investment in, in, in Central Asia. But as I said, like according to recent studies, like one estimate, uh, that a digital uh, Chinese uh, silk, digital silk road project uh, estimated like $79 billion in 2018. Like, it's not just central Asia. I, I understand like all over the world, but you normally China tries to implement certain projects. They usually, uh, experiment it, uh, like, uh, in, in central Asia. If it's successful, they, they, they will, uh, spread all over the world because uh, as you know, like in 2013, China announced Belt and Road initiative in Kazakhstan, so they, they are also focusing on Central Asia. And then if it's successful, they do, they they also like spreading to the more uh, developing parts of the South, like Africa, South, South America. We can hear some <laughs> friendly sounds. <laughs> yeah, this, this is uh, my, uh, this is my personal assessment, but I don't know. We will see. It's too early to give certain uh, analysis of this because we, we don't know exactly you just announced but they, they didn't come up with specific action plan that's why lots of uh, international uh, organizations I mean think tanks criticize in you that uh, it, it 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 didn't it wasn't able to come up with certain plans thank you Alaudin for this very detailed response and Shingis well, in your opinion, what should the EU prioritize in the uh, water and energy matters in Central Asia? Um, yeah, I mean, um, 
I think the EU should uh, think about anti-corruption measures, uh, first of all, because, I mean, uh, we have a very high level of corruption in Central Asian states. Maybe the EU should uh, establish headquarters in Central Asia to monitoring the progress of the projects, or maybe they should actively involve civil society in this um, I mean, to to provide anti-corruption safeguards. Uh, they, they also, I mean, the EU didn't uh, provide any action plan, but the, first of all, they should think about anti-corruption measures. Second, uh, they should be realistic and transparent because, I mean, focusing on these three vast areas with such modest revenues is too ambitious. Uh, Brussels needs to understand that it cannot change the existing water and energy and climate problems in Central Asia. However, the EU can develop goals that are more precise, determine the areas of responsibility of each uh, member state, institution and regional country and link its potential projects to solid objectives and outcomes. Because, I mean, uh, investing into Ragun, it's, it's too ambitious. And also, I mean, the EU wants to contribute to the RLC basin. This is this is a kind of badness, actually, because in the 1960s, it was the world's fourth largest inland water body, but it's now almost dry due to due to like massive irrigated agriculture during the Soviet uh, period. And um, since the independent Central Asia achieved little to fight this desiccation and. Uh, uh, the EU wants to contribute to International Fund of Saving the RLC through the increased capacity building for staff and financial support for key events. So it is hard to believe that one of these countless efforts uh, will succeed like to restore the RLC. And that's why they should be realistic. They should focus on the smaller projects, maybe like uh, on the wind or solar energy, maybe not as big as like uh, which they want to build in the Western Kazakhstan, by the, by the, by the sh they should be uh, realistic. And um, uh, they also should be engaged in balance because they, they you always wanted to show themselves as a neutral actor. They didn't participate into water, energy and climate, uh, I don't know, agreements directly. And this enabled the EU to be to gain trust from Central Asian allies. They always was neutral. And right now investing into Ragun Dam could be a factor that changes the balance established before, like uh, Brussels ambition to be more geostrategic can easily backfire in Central Asia. Uh, because like, um, yeah, we have very, um, I don't know, fragile relations in Central Asia between Central Asian allies and governments. We have a long history of conflicts. Therefore, I mean, uh, they should think about the budget. They should, uh, uh, they should invest into neutral, uh, innovative projects on solar or wind stations. And yeah, I think this is the only way for you to stay balanced and to have no impact on its own reputation, because for the 30 years, the EU gains its reputation step by step, trying to be neutral, trying to uh, trying to share expertise, trying to provide platform for Central Asian governments. And right now, I mean, this initiative could just like break down everything which they do for years. Well, 
Thank you, Shingus. <laughs> but then let's uh, look at this in a more optimistic way as we are uh, wrapping up our discussion. So we have one final question for you. Uh, we would like to hear your expectations from this initiative. What would you see as uh, a good outcome? Maybe you, Alaudin, can start. Oh, about expectations. Oh, actually, a lot about, uh, for example, uh, so I I like the. I'm sure, like all Uzbekistani people would love. Uh, I mean, if I speak about Uzbekistan, like the idea of uh, privacy and personal security uh, protection. So at the same time, like uh, it could play like key role in in uh, bridging uh, digital divide between rural areas on a national level, not also in a regional level. So this uh, connectivity would also kind of uh, uh, complete existing uh, this fiber optic internet connections in 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 Central Asia. As as you know, like all Central Asian. And governments have their own strategy in digitalization. But in Kazakhstan, it's, in Kazakhstan, for example, you know, digital Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, digital Kyrgyzstan, and digital Uzbekistan, um, that they 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 are also working on this. And Hello, Dean. There is something with the connection. Speaking about connectivity, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Maybe it's best to turn off the video. And then just to repeat what you said. Yeah, and repeat that idea mm -hmm, of digital uh, everyone. Yeah, I, I, I believe, like, uh, which part did you miss? Like, I can also... The, can... Rural, the rural urban divide. I think it started breaking already then. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, rural and urban divide. So, I think uh, EU has uh, more, like, Leo uh, satellites like low Earth satellites, which is very effective in uh, bridging um, rural and uh, urban divide in, in, in not only in the country but also uh, in the region. So this might play a very positive role in 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 diversifying economy, not only just economy but also in agriculture, education, and other financial services okay thank you Laudin. and uh, Shenghis what's your take on it what do you hope to see as an outcome of these initiatives yeah I mean I think also that I, there should be a positive side always because I mean uh, previously if you look at the EU projects uh, like um, since since the independence uh, they uh, established such projects as EU Water Initiative or EU Central Asian Regional Program on Environment, Water and Climate Change. And, and these initiatives were like, uh, the main goal of this initiative was to develop an integrated approach to water resources management. However, they were, uh, actually they were coordinating and expertise sharing platforms. Right now we see that the EU tries to play a role in uh, Central Asian politics uh, and maybe maybe they tries to um, tries to find the space which is not captured by Russia and China like 
water energy and climate initiatives or digitalization they wanted they want to use uh, they want to use uh, these areas, these spheres to get they uh, to be a geostrategic player in Central Asia. And this is this is always good because I mean, uh, in context of Central Asian states, we always try to be we always try to preserve like multi-vector policy, trying to be good with all states. And it is good that uh, another actor tries uh, to play a role in Central Asia. I mean, I think that it always will benefit for us. And if they will uh, also, if they will invest into smaller like projects into uh, more like smaller cases, I think that the EU within this Team Europe initiative will succeed. However, they, all, they, they always should think about uh, a bigger projects, which I mentioned, which is Ragun. I mean, they all, they should, uh, like meet with Central Asian presidents or with representatives of Central Asia and talk about it. If yeah, but in fact, it is also a good initiative. I mean, on paper at least, it seems good. I mean, uh, the Tajikistan uh, built this dam and provide clean energy to Kazakhstan and Uzbekistan, and I would be only happy for this. But yeah, but there there is always like something. Uh, like I don't know there, there is always some but <laughs> yeah well I see what you mean uh, exactly uh, for Central Asia like uh, climate climate change is also affecting Central Asia and having clean energy in the whole region would be fantastic so fingers crossed fingers crossed that at least some of these uh, initiatives will bring good fruit to the region and with that perhaps Rashid we would like to conclude our chat thank you so much Ngiz and Alaudin. Uh, for sharing your expertise, for helping us to understand this um, uh, Team Europe initiatives better. Without you, it would have been much harder. And Rashid, what do you... Yes, I I echo that, uh, Elena. What a fantastic opportunity this was to learn firsthand from people who are researching the initiative and looking forward to your publication. And of course, hoping that it will reach some policymakers in the EU and ultimately will help them implement the initiative better and in a more smooth way to our listeners i would like to remind that they can send their questions suggest some participants guests or become guests in our chat in the year sign up for the ucom newsletter follow us across social media platforms and as always you're welcome in our virtual chat in the year talk to you later